0: Um, Tonight, I am going to be sharing from the topic, Beware of the Devil. And I'm going to sweep through this chapter and pick out three ideas and share with you. Um, The first is that God's blessing, or let me just state it as I have it, God's blessing in the midst of moral decay. That's the first thing I want to speak to you about. Um, Secondly, I want to speak to you on the devil's attempt to hinder effectiveness through factional division. And then finally, I'm going to share with you regarding Paul's handling of the problem. I think each one of these Um, should be beneficial to the church now don't go away with the idea that a sermon is going to be two hours (laughs) so you just bear with me a little bit and I will make the points and God will do the rest, amen alright so just to get our minds sharpened um, to this word I'm reading from 1 Corinthians 1 and um, just to prepare you, I probably don't need to read all of it, but i read until I feel I can stop and commence. I'm raised from Paul called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and sustains our brother to the church of God that is in Corinth to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be saints with all those in every place who call on the name of our Lord Jesus of our Lord Jesus Christ dear Lord and ours grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ I always thank my God for you because of the grace of God that was given to you in Christ Jesus for you were made rich in every way In him, in all your speech and in every kind of knowledge, just as the testimony about Christ had been confirmed among you so that you do not lack any spiritual gift as you wait for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. He will also strengthen you to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom you were called into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ our Lord and I saw it there for the time being um, the city of Corinth was a morally corrupt city um, secular history suggests it had heavy human traffic due to trade but also due to its location they said that a temple to Aphrodite, the Greek goddess of love was located there. Some 1,000 priestesses who were religious prostitutes lived and worked there and came down into the city in the evening to offer their services to male citizens and foreign visitors. The list of things mentioned by Paul in 1 Corinthians 6 9 that the Corinthian converts were involved in, that is prayer conversion confirms this Um, it reads as follows or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God do not be deceived neither sexually immoral nor idolaters nor adulterers nor men who practice homosexuality nor thieves, nor the greedy nor drunkards nor revelers nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God and then Paul said and such were some of you but then he said you were washed you were sanctified You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of our God. In chapter 5 of this epistle, mention is made of incest in the church, which was strongly slapped down and rebuked by Paul. You read in chapter 5 verse 1, It is actually reported that there is sexually immorality among you, and of a kind that is not tolerated even among pagans. For a man has his father's wife. And you are arrogant. or you not rather to mourn? Let him who has done this be removed from among you. But let us know tonight in spite of the moral corruption in the city. God performed a marvelous work and called many to salvation regardless of how corrupt the human heart is God can do a transforming work it's clear from this epistle nobody is beyond redemption or transformation but the power and grace of God the magnificence of the work is described by Paul in the first nine verses they just read in verse 1 Paul makes mention of such things if you go back to Acts 18 which we will not do he was a convert a Corinthian convert but now he was a leader in the church and that is why he is mentioned here along with Paul in writing this epistle I'm not saying he wrote it but he is mentioned there as a leader with Paul as he sent this missive to the church I think that's very noteworthy in verse 2 he indicates that the Corinthians were God's church Despite any the problems, they were God's church, and they were set apart unto God. They were called to be holy, and they are addressed as saints. The word saints means holy ones. In other words, Paul was saying to them, You are no less saved or oh, you are no less God's children than other Christians and furthermore Paul states that Jesus was their Lord, will somebody say amen Jesus was their Lord so we read in verse 2 it says to the church of God that is in encouraged to those sanctified in Christ called to be saints together with all those who in every place call upon the name of the Lord both their Lord and ours. And it's important as we will see a little later why Paul opened this epistle in this way. But I'm also here to encourage you today and tell you that you are in a good place in Christ. You don't come behind anybody this month, tonight. Bless the Lord. So that's good to know. It's encouraging to me. And then Paul says, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, in spite of the problems I'm about to address, I want you to know that God is at peace with you. And he is your savior and friend. Amen. The covenant of grace is fantastic, you know. A lot of times we don't do all the things that we do across. T's isn't dot the eyes as we are. But remember, we are the beloved. And we are God's children. Hallelujah. So in verse 48, Paul thanked the Lord for the gracious work And the blessings he had bestowed on them. Listen to him in verse 4. I give thanks to my God always for you. What? I give thanks to my God always for you. In spite of your immaturity and problems, I give thanks to God always for you. Why? Because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus. Amen. I believe in you. Prayer, you pray and give God thanks for us. Amen. I believe we pray, we pray and give God thanks for you. Because of the grace we have received in Christ Jesus hallelujah that in every way I want you to think about this tonight in every way bless the Lord you were enriched in him in all speech and we're referring here to the gospel proclamation God has saved you to serve and he will equip you to serve amen so, Paul is saying, In every way you are enriched in him in all speech. So, he's laid a foundation to tell them that what they were doing was uncalled for. And we shall see. He says, And all knowledge. What's he talking about here? He's talking about Scripture. Scripture. Even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you. What is he talking about? He's talking about their salvation. Their conversion. The right that God had bestowed on them to become children of God. In spite of the sordid background and the issues. John 1.12 tells us, But to all who receive him, those who believe in his name, He has given the right to become God's children. Amen. I think this is wonderful, you know, just to know that we are God's children. And then he said in verse 7, so that you are not lacking in any gift. In other words, even though you are immature, and you need not to grow. You need to come to some kind of um, Complete com- Completion in your sanctification And so forth Paul is saying God has given you The full package Up front When you got saved God didn't hold back you didn't hold back God bless you And equip you So that you can take your place in the church And function effectively. So that you are not lacking in any gifts. As you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. What my son often called the eschaton. The revelation of Christ. The coming of Christ. So God doesn't save us. With any doubt. As to where we are going. He saves us with assurance that when Christ reveals himself, we will be caught up with him and be part of his kingdom. And then in verse 8, he says, Who will walk? Who will sustain you to the end? Who will complete the work he has begun in you? This is no hit or miss. God will do it. Paul says in Philippians 1 6, For I am sure of this writing, that the one who began a good work in you will perfect it unto the day of Christ Jesus. In the epistle of, I think it is 1 Peter or 2 Peter, whichever. I think it's chapter 1 of one of those He tells us that what God has given to us Is guarded By God's power And when God is standing guard I don't know who can break through And steal anything from you or me So that you will be blameless On the day of our Lord Jesus Christ Paul confirms this in First Thessalonians five nine. First Thessalonians five nine. Then he says, "For God did not destine us or appoint us for wrath, but for gaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ." And then in verse nine, he says, "God is faithful." Amen. Is God faithful? God is faithful, man. God is faithful. Whatever He tells you here, He will do. God is faithful. By whom you were called, by whom you were called, called to walk into fellowship with His Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. God will never abandon you. I didn't even really have the verse here written. First Peter one, three. It says, "Who by God's." Power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. So these Corinthians, in spite of their past, were called to give glory to God and to enjoy him forever. They were in the beloved and they were blessed. They were equipped for the call God had put on their lives. And I think all of us in here can rejoice to know that we who are in the Beloved experience the same thing. But let us now shift to the second part of the message. The devil's attempt to hinder effectiveness through factional divisions. Even though they had received a full package from God and his great power guarded and guided them the devil still attempted to hinder and harm their effectiveness. We just sang Martin Luther's great song. I think that was a very good choice brother Jonathan. Very good choice and we are reminded in that song and we are reminded in scripture that we have an opposer we have an enemy right in, in, in the epistle of peter he says that we ought to be sober and alert cause there's a devil you know there's a devil paul says to put on the, the what the whole armor of god that you may do what stand against the tricks of the devil so there is an opposer so peter tells us we ought to be sober and alert first peter 5 eight. your enemy the devil like a ruined lion is on the prowl looking for someone to devour and that doubt giver, we need not get scared of that because Satan cannot destroy us. Certainly he can hinder us. And he can trouble our effectiveness, but he cannot destroy us. So Peter says in verse 9, resist him. Strong in the faith. Because you know that your brothers and sisters through the world are enduring the same kinds of sufferings. And after you have, listen to this, after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, again, who do what? Who call you to his eternal glory in Christ, will do what? Will himself himself restore you. He will confirm you. He will strengthen you. And he will establish you. To him belongs the power forever. But this doesn't mean because God has promised us such great promises that we can afford to live slack. Or we can afford to take the devil for granted. Because we ought to want to be as effective as we can for God. Amen? Bless the Lord. Now the church is described in scripture as a body. I think we'll all agree with that. And we know that a body has many members. Each member of a body contributes to the success of the whole. The effectiveness of the body depends on unity among its members. Paul confirms this in, in, in Romans 12. Romans 12. 3 to 16, i read some of it where he says, For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, not to think more highly of yourselves than you ought to think, but to think with sober discernment, as God has distributed to each of you a measure of faith. Well, just as in one body we have many members and not all the members serve the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ and individually we are members who belong to one another. And sometimes I tell folks who tell me that they can stay home and serve God, that that is really a bad way of thinking because there are gifts and abilities that God has given to you that are useful nowhere else but in church they were given to you to, to complement the body you are in and to serve the Lord in a local church so when you stay home you know you're really robbing the church of vital health that God intends for you to give so just think about that so Paul says here and I just want to make this point we know of the church universal right? but the church universal um, really is the church local scattered in different places all over the world so it's really in the local church that actually takes place and uh, we ought to be very cognizant of the fact that this is where God places us and this is where he uses us and he blesses us with gifts to be used in the local church. So Paul says, we have different gifts according to the grace given to us. So if the gift is to prophesy, prophesy, prophecy, sharing the word and so forth, that individual must do all. That individual must use it. Must use it in proportion to his faith. So if you have have an ability or gift today and you are not using it, you're really not obeying the Lord. You must use it. He gave you that gift to be used in the church. Okay. So he says the person must use it. If it is service, he must serve. Must serve. If it is teaching, he must teach. If it is exhortation, he must exhort. And the struggle comes when the devil begins to cause us to doubt that we are able to do what God calls us to do. But God is he who not only He creates. He pulls us alongside him. And there's so much more I can preach in it. But I, I, I can't. But he pulls us alongside him. And he gives us. The. Whatever we need. At the particular time. To do his bidding. He says if. It is Service. He must serve. If it is, sorry, if sorry going past that. If it is leadership, if it is contributing, sorry, he must do so with sincerity. And if it is leadership, he must do so with diligence. In other words, we are to take these gifts and work with our salvation with fear and trembling. We are to take these gifts and we are to hone them and refine them and use them to the max as best as we possibly can. With his help, of course. If it is showing mercy, we must do that with cheerfulness. I think this is a passage that should be read and reread in church, right? So then, skip to verse twelve, just for the sake of time. He says, "Rejoice in hope, endure in suffering, persist in prayer, contribute to the needs of the saints, pursue hospitality." All these are sweeping things that could probably be preached on one by one. But those who, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. That's the key there. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Do not be conceited. So as we dwell into Corinthians, this, this particular part of it, you will see that the very thing Paul is here exhorting, the Corinthian Christians miss. And he's bringing them back to this, Bringing them back to this. So let us now look at Corinthians 10, Corinthians 1, 10 to 17. Listen to Paul. This is the problem. I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice he's invoking Christ's name. When it comes to the last section, I can tell you what. That all of you agree. That there be no divisions among you. But that you be united in the same mind. And in the same judgment. For it has been reported to me by close house people or household. That there is quarreling among you, my brothers. What I mean is that one of you say, I follow Paul. Another say, I follow Apollos. Another say, I follow Cephas. And all of these are outstanding people. And believe it or not, some were saying, I follow Christ. So the Lord was brought down to a certain denominator here. So he asked, is, is, is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? And then Paul let them know that He did not Christ did not Verse 17 Christ did not send me Verse 17 Christ did not send me To baptize but to preach the gospel Not with words of eloquent wisdom Lest the cross of Christ be empty of its power now I'm told in scripture that Apollos was eloquent very good preacher, very good speaker alright, so some people were probably following him because he could really, he was a good orator and some probably probably were following Cephas because Cephas um, was the man who performed miracles who walked with Christ, who started church on the day of plenty because God used Peter in a marvelous way and of course, some followed Paul because Paul was an outstanding apostle. And then some said, No, we ain't following none of those, we're following Christ. Amazing. So, in the church at Corinth, as we can see from these few verses, factions and cliques had developed. Groups of members were following certain human leaders. It was an interesting, but it is a very it is a pretty common dynamic. We go through scripture, you will see that. And it stem it seems to stem from a need to be superior, a need to be better than or more important than others. And I'm saying to you, this must be avoided. And these, these thoughts and tendencies can creep into us real easy. Right? Real easy. And there's a torrent right, you may hear about the niece of these, my brethren, but I can't start to deal with that. So it was it was the need for importance and ascendancy. If, if you really think about it. That caused Eve to pick and eat the fruit. Because the devil promised her that if she ate the fruit, she would have the knowledge of good and evil. And in some form of fashion, she would have been a lot better than who she was. So the first thing in the Garden of Eden came about as a result of this problem. I think also Joseph's brothers sold him into Egypt because of the same problem. They saw Joseph as more important than they were. But God had called the boy and God had blessed him. And God had intended to use him to save them. But they did not understand that so they decided to sell him and unfair. him. Man just wait. If you feel somebody is better than you Remember what Paul said in opening 10 verses. God has packaged you fully. You are not behind anybody. You are not in fear of anybody. You belong to God. Christ is your Lord and he has given you everything you need for life and service. So they sold Joseph because of the same problem. And I think the same problem was also Responsible for Korah and his band challenging Moses that's in number 16 but we can't stop to look at that but you know what happened there God opened the earth and swallowed all of them and then we have in Luke 22 the disciples quarreling what were they quarreling about in Luke 22 who was the greatest? Who was the greatest? And again we can't really stop to explore that text. But let us know tonight that this desire to be better, to be aligned with a person who would make the little groupings and the little cliques superior was strongly desired in the Corinthian church among the Corinthian Christians. But this situation started to cause a lot of trouble in the church. Enough disruption that it caused the members of close household to complain to Paul. One can only imagine the impact it was having inside the church, but also outside the church. Uh, I think we always going to be aware that, uh, listen, when it comes to church, Walls have ears. And somehow, things are happening in the church, because of whole secretive people might want to be, eventually end you know, up outside. So, so it was having impact, an impact, I believe, not only in the church, but outside of the church. But close household told Paul that we got trouble down here. I would just say to you that each member has a responsibility to pray for and maintain unity in the church. It is God's will. It is a sacred Christian duty. And again, I repeat the topic beware of the devil. Beware of the devil. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, Paul said, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, urge you to live worthily of the calling with which you have been called. See that word again? Have been called. With all humility. And gentleness. With patience. Putting up with one another in love. And i just say to you here. It is impossible for members in the church. To exist together. For a a, a period. A long period of time. And at some time. Somebody do not. Step on somebody's foot. Hurt somebody's feeling. Say something the wrong way. Somebody is offended and so on. Impossible. Because in my long years as a Christian there are a lot of times when people say and do things <laughs> you have to just brush it off because you can't react. So you see what Paul is saying here is really important. He says here live wordily of the calling with what? All humility all humility gentleness don't react patience Take it easy, hello, take it easy. Putting up with one another in love. Because listen, Christ puts up with us. Christ puts up with us. He's patient and kind because we all, couldn't make some things, do things that I'm certain the Lord is not 100% pleased about. But he's patient and loving. We gotta do the same, yeah? He says in verse 3, make every effort to do what? Keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and there is one spirit. Just as you were called to one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all. Who is over of all and through all and in all. So unity in the church is sort of sacrosanct. And we must do all that is in our power to keep it. But the Corinthians were not doing that so it was obviously of serious concern. So ultimately, Let us look at Paul's handling of the problem, and believe me, I'm not exhausting these things because I think each one is a sermon. Paul's handling of the problem. Now, first of all, I want to see you up front. Watch and see how Paul operates, and it can help those of you who are called to counseling, those of you who are called to deal with problems. This is really a good methodology to remember. Paul's response was, first of all, biblical, biblical, okay, and if you look at at how he dealt with it, he started by destroying the premise of the behavior, you're behaving behaving in a certain way, but this is not what God approves of, so he destroys the premise of the behavior, and I think it's a very strong, fine strategy, So, one, in handling the problem, Paul laid the foundation for his response by declaring the spiritual standing of the Corinthians. And as I mentioned a little earlier, he told them, listen, you are God's people. I don't know what you're fighting about. (laughs) You are God's people. You are called. You are sanctified by the Lord Jesus. You are guiltless. You are secured unto eternal life. You have peace with God. There's no need for you to have any inferior feelings or any need to align with somebody that you think superior. That's the first thing he did. Destroy the premise of it. The next thing he did, which was obvious, is to call for unity. Call for unity to be formed. But he just did not call for unity in a vacuum. He called for unity to be formed around the Lord. And his instructions. And not around men. So if you read, if you read verse 10, I'll read it for you. It says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, to agree together, to end your divisions, and to be united by the same mind and by the same purpose. Excuse me. By the same mind and the same purpose. So, the same mind and the same purpose here is referring to our Lord and to his instructions that is what he is asking them to come into conformity with and as long as all members of the church submit to scripture and submit to the Lordship of Christ unity in the church will be a reality in your march, in your march. Christ must be the center. Christ must be the one that you and your wife will come around in everything. So that scripture dictates the relationship. So Paul is calling for unity and he's calling him to form it around the Lord and around his instructions. The same mind and judgment. Is referring to those. Thirdly Paul rejected his importance and he pointed them to Christ and his cross. Right? And all of us must see ourselves as unimportant. God can God can do whatever he wants to do. He doesn't necessarily need me. I'm grateful. I'm happy that you know, he called me and that he gave me certain abilities and opportunities. I praise the Lord. But God needs me? Ah, he doesn't need me. He definitely does not. So Paul rejected his importance and pointed them to Christ and his cross. Look at verse 13 and 17. He asked the question Is Christ invited? Paul wasn't crucified for you, was he? Of course not. Uh, Were you in fact baptized in the name of Paul? No. And then he told him in verse 74, Christ did not send me to baptize, meaning he did not send me to create factions through baptism. Call me to baptize anybody and, and create a faction and gather people around me. If I am in church, I'm mean in church pastoring to create a faction up oh, in of God RCF. I want my head to examine him. Yeah. <laughs> I want my head to examine him. I Are you for that? No, 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 no Jesus is the one Praise the Lord He says so Christ did not call me to create factions through baptism but what? But to preach the gospel and then he is home at this yearning and desire for men of eloquence we just need the truth of the cross but I am really grateful to God though, don't misunderstand me I'm grateful to God for those who can really speak and preach, I enjoy listening to um, your pastor I enjoy listening to John preach for sure he preach a very deep sermon last time we had him over by RCF Foundation. So he always and I preached a very good one um, recently on the at uh, the conference that we had on, um online, good sermon. I like to listen to Dr. Jonas too. Like to listen to him. I would say they want him <laughs> to join us. You know, he's going up to some conference in law um, America, and you know, I, I wish that he could, have, could be there, but he would probably record a lot of it and we still be able to hear. Yeah, but there are certain men that are gifted, men that can preach, men that can talk, men that can, that, that are the like Apollos, they're eloquent, they don't feel for words, you know, and they can really move you with a sermon. Um, praise the Lord. But Paul says... What does Paul say? He says, Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel not with what? Clever speech. That is to impress people. So that the cross of Christ would not become useless. Because if you're trying to impress the human mind with secular wisdom, you're probably not going to remember to preach the gospel. So we must always focus on the gospel. And then Paul showed God's disapproval. He showed that attitudes associated with human superiority are despised by God discoveries of God when we start to elevate ourselves or we've started to elevate fellow human beings it does not win the favor or approval of God whether it is eloquence or nobility or human wisdom or wealth or political power it does not it does not so listen to verse 26. Think about the circumstances of your call, brothers and sisters. Not many were raised by human standards. Not many were powerful. Not many of you were born to a privileged position. But God chose what the world thinks foolish to shame the ways. And God chose what the world thinks weak to shame the strong God chose what is low and despised in the world what is regarded as nothing to set aside what is regarded as something so that verse 29 no one can boast in his presence so i want to say to you that true wisdom true knowledge is the cross, the message of the cross the gospel because that's God's wisdom and there's much more Corinthians that brings that out and then Paul fifthly and finally (laughs) see people smiling. (laughs) smiling and finally Paul pointed them to God yeah pointed them to God why because it is God who called it is God who embraced them and therefore he's saying to them that they had an obligation to adore and cling to God human boasting about others is empty and sinful The only one we should boast about is God. Boast about his grace. Boast about his blessings in Christ. Boast about what he did in his son on the cross. Boast about his salvation. And his faithfulness in keeping the promises of his covenant of grace. To all who come to know his son as Lord and Savior and as we reflect on these blessings we realize that those blessings are great great so the final the final verses two verses of this chapter Paul hammers it home he says "What? he is the reason God is the reason Hey, you are saved tonight. You may think that you are saved because somebody invited you to a church. Or that you were there at the right time to hear the right sermon. You may think a lot of things as the way you are saved. But the reason you are saved and you have a relationship with Christ is because of God. Because of God. So Paul is saying to them God is the reason you have a relationship with Christ. So given the glory. Given the honor. Who became for us. Referring to Christ now. Who became for us. Wisdom from God. That is the gospel. Wisdom from God. That is the gospel. The gospel is wisdom from God. And righteousness. And when I think of righteousness. I think of. RC, RC. You know what I mean by RC right? Scroll. RC, he has a little clip where he talks about double imputation. When he think of righteousness, you think of double imputation. Where my sins are imputed to Christ, and his righteousness is imputed to me. I don't have any righteousness that worth anything before God in and of myself. But I have in Christ. <laughs> I have in Christ. Somebody say your name. <laughs> my, my crazy preacher. <laughs> yes double imputation. So Christ has become for us wisdom and righteousness. He took my sins and gave me His righteousness. And I love this song that I sang often and I will sing even even some more. It's already it says I came to Jesus oh, very worn and sad. Wait, did you all know the song? He took my sins away. He took my sins away and now his love has made my heart so glad he took my sins away the refrain is he took my sins away he took my sins away and do what keep me singing every day hallelujah I am so glad he took my sins away he took my sins away then it says the load of sin was more than I could bear he took my sins away, he took my sins away. And now on him, I do what? Rule my every care. Let me ask a question, do you put your cares on Jesus? Or are you walking wrong on him? The Bible says to cast all your cares on me because why? I care for you, I care for you. Amen. So I cast on him my every care. And now on him, sorry, I roll my every care like that. Roll them off to you, Lord. Roll them off of you and roll them out to you, Lord. He took my sins away. Then it says, No condemnation have I in my heart. Jesus took that all away. His perfect peace he did to me in part. There's a deep, settled peace in our souls. He took my sins away. And then the last verse says, If you will come to Jesus Christ today, tonight, you take your sins away. You take your sins away. And keep you happy in his love each day. You take your sins away. Serving Lord is a happy thing It's a delightful thing It's a sweet thing Amen It's a great thing I mean the storms of life could be raging around you sometimes as as you just look at him and smile Say look, I feel God is going work this so, boy And body in my head And well, he always comes through for you Amen But sometimes Regardless of What he allows you to go through as we read in 1st Peter the Bible says he will confirm you he will establish you he will strengthen you so he's faithful man he's faithful he takes you through the valley sometimes but he brings you up and it helps you so who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness yes And then, Paul says, and sanctification. And sanctification. In other words, God is forming in you Corinthians the character of his son. God is sanctifying you. And then Paul says, and redemption. I was the devil's slave, but my ransom has been paid. I have been set free bless the Lord free from death free to live forever so Paul says to them you need to boast in the Lord he says Christ has done all these things for you so that as it is written let the one who boasts boast in the Lord and there you have it brethren there you have it. God has really blessed us. We know that the devil can create issues for us. But let us be reminded that through dependence on God and through a rallying around His Word, we can have the victory. So, in closing, I just ask these questions Who are you trusting? What are you trusting? I encourage you to trust in God. Because he is the only one deserving of our trust. And look at the great things he gives us in Christ. You who are in the beloved. Maintain the unity of the church. Beware of the devil. And remain as effective as you can. For the Lord Jesus Christ.